2: Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park.
0: Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day, grab and go. Every day, giftable. Every day, fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. And they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome, like the new Virginia Lottery scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher
3: today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21
4: It's a another film study. Our last defensive breakdown of the regular season as we look back at Week Seventeen as the Ravens closed out the season with the Bengals. Well, I guess the regular season. Ken McCusick, how you doing? Life's good, Josh. How about you? I can't complain. Uh, joining us, uh, it's been a maybe a month or two, and Sarah is back. Sarah, how are you going?
5: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me back. I apologize for the last one the, that. COVID thing, bang- our Pittsburgh game threw us off. They We had to record on a night that I was going to a wedding, so I appreciate you guys last minute finding a new guest for me.
6: All right. Hope the wedding worked out okay. It's a, a wedding during the time of COVID is a challenge. Small one?
5: It was. It was very small, which is why I didn't feel like I could cancel. I was one of the few that got to be there, so I wanted to make sure I was full attention there.
6: All right. Very good. Glad uh, Glad that worked out uh anyway we're thrilled to have you back and we've got a great game to talk about the Ravens, obviously off to Nashville for Sunday's game. We're excited about it. Maureen and I are heading out there to uh to do it, ignoring all of the warnings to go with that but we're 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 gonna continue our streak of going to playoff games and uh really looking forward to that but uh this game we got to talk about first from Cincinnati uh just an outrageous defensive performance
5: it I mean. outrageous is right when you have 11 possessions seven of them are punts and seven of those punts are six three and outs two interceptions one field goal and then another possession the game just ends like Mm -hmm. that is completely dominating the the other team so that was very fun to watch
6: the Ravens just allowed 40 offensive snaps from the Bengals which is the all-time franchise low it's happened now three times once in the playoffs against Kansas City in 2010. I think we'd take that again if it happened this year. Uh, that was at Kansas City game. They won 30-7. to seven. Also, the other time it happened was the 11-sack game at Tennessee, which would be just fine for this next Sunday.
5: We'll take that. We'll take that. I mean, 40 40 snaps. We'll get into it more, but 40 snaps is ridiculously low. Mm-hmm. And I'll, well, I'll let you get through the rest of your 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 talking points on that, but uh, what a fresh defense this will be going into the
4: Titans.
6: Yes, let's. Talk. There's so many, so many facets of that. Let's let Josh do a little business here. We'll come right back to it.
4: Okay. All right. It's my bookie, and just because the regular season's over doesn't mean that your time at my bookie is over. In fact, now might be an even better time to hop on board and make sure that you're using the promo code Ravens, and they'll match you halfway and give you a head start on building your bankroll. You put in two hundred dollars, and you get an extra hundred dollars. To play with joining and depositing is a simple process as well, and of course, taking money out when you win is just as easy. Uh, treat yourself to some extra holiday. Uh, well, it's not holiday anymore, so treat yourself to some extra cash this new year by investing in your intuition. And I looked earlier today. If you want to put money on the Ravens to win the Super Bowl, it's plus one thousand. Plus one thousand. Okay. So five dollars wins you fifty bucks. Not not terrible. So it's you, it's. it's Better odds in your favor than preseason. Preseason
6: it was six hundred and fifty. Right, gotcha. A, so a longer price. Now it's so let's hop on board. Long and winding road for the Ravens to get here. We expected them to win the division. Now they're a better price going into the playoffs. Uh, folks, I just want to remind the my bookie folks there is a max of five hundred dollars on that bonus. We think still correct, Josh?
4: Uh yes, that sounds okay. right.
6: I don't have it for, yeah.
4: That do match. That they'll give you an extra $500. If you put in a thousand, they'll give you $500.
6: I want to make sure people don't waste their first deposit and get the maximum value out of that. We're not getting any portion of that, by the way, folks. We don't get a portion of that. I do want to see people get the best gambling value if they're going to do it. Um, Let's talk about the the rest that we just teased before the ad here. Uh, In preparing for these playoffs, uh, it, it could not have gone better in terms of having a fresh set of players. And in fact... A lot of what's happened this week has been remarkably positive news since the last game, since the Giants game, in terms of setting us up for the playoffs here. But they avoided any serious defensive injuries in the game. Are, are you aware of any, by the way? Did you hear any from Q or from, from other people after the game?
5: I, I haven't heard of any um, unless – I mean, reporters asked about the injuries that we knew of. They didn't ask about McCarry. I wish they had asked about him. Um, mm-hmm. But all the guys that are kind of questionable – John Harbaugh gave, you know, uh, hopeful news on all of them, uh, including uh, Yannick Ngakwe, Jimmy Smith, um, Sam Cook. He's, he's obviously special teams, not talking defense. But, uh, yeah, looking up, Ken, I mean, right at the right time for all these guys to be coming back.
6: Yeah, it's, it, it's outrageously good, frankly. Having Jimmy Smith back... Uh, we're going to get into the secondary in a minute in terms of what a change that is. But the amount of change we've had there in the last week is ridiculous. We talked about the 40 snaps already. Um, one thing that I think sometimes goes unnoticed is just how good a snap manager Martindale is. No front seven player in this game had more than 27 snaps. That I just, From someone who looks at snaps week to week, that's outrageously good. <laughs> and mine, you know, take out the penalties that are accepted. And they also take out any kneels or spikes, which I don't think there were any in this game. So, you know, it takes out a handful of plays, but still 27 snaps, extremely low when we've had Wolf and Ellis and others playing, you know, 55 and 60 plus snaps in some games on the front seven. Uh, they were not taxed in this game, even though the Ravens only activated four linemen for the game. So they activated four linemen. It's four guys they're going to need in the playoffs. In fact, I think next week against the Titans, they'll add Ellis to the group of actors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you'd want five, wouldn't you?
5: (laughs) Yes, you would, with Derrick Henry coming, yes. Yeah,
6: there you go. So you're going to have to play a lot more three uh, down lineman sets in this game. They didn't have to play much of that at all. So, uh, you know, a a, a great game for the defense in that way. I thought there's other stuff going on in the game that I really liked. Uh, Deshaun Elliott got taken out of the game after a hard hit late in the game. And it was fairly clear that Martindale wanted it, or maybe Harbaugh, wanted to send a message, hey, look, we're, we're resting up for a playoff game here. Look at the <laughs> scoreboard, dummy. And, uh, and was really just telling him not to hit like Deshaun Elliott does. You save it for next week kind of thing. Elliott did go back in for the last two snaps of the game. So it was just a, it was a discussion point, I think.
5: So it was a, de- a hard delivering hit, not a hard hit that he took. That's correct. Okay.
6: That's correct. I mean, you know, whenever he delivers a hard hit, I'm, I'm concerned.
5: Because yeah, the Ravens don't have true. any
6: backups. so
5: You could lose uh, a shoulder. You could lose yeah. something. Yeah, yeah.
6: There you go. Give yourself a stinger. There are lots of ways. Uh, the backups got a fair amount of play in this game. So we saw Christian Welch in the game as a, an inside linebacker. We saw Nate Brooks in the game, which is really kind of weird to see a wide receiver number in there playing defensive back. But number right. 17 was in there playing defensive back. And uh, Jordan Richards got in for a handful of snaps at the end of the game. Some for Elliott. And Clark missed two snaps finally for the whole year. Um, and he missed the last two snaps of the regular season to kill off a perfect season. I wonder how he feels about that after the interception.
5: <laughs> Good question. Right.
6: Might not be important to him. But well, anyway, just go
5: ahead. Well, I was just going to say I want to put this even their freshness even more into perspective because you know this, Ken, because I heard you talking about it. He Martindale also managed their snaps very well the week before against the Giants. Mm-hmm. So I went back, went back and looked you. I wanted to see how many snaps these defensive linemen had taken over the last two games. So Campbell's at 47, which, as you said, you could get that in one game. He said he had that in two. Williams mm-hmm. at 49. Wolf has the highest at 65, but let me again put that in perspective. So he had 65 in the last two games. He had 56 alone the last time the Ravens played the Titans. Uh, right. Matabike, you know what I mean so he basically played the Titans game over the last two weeks uh, and that was because Campbell and Williams uh, obviously weren't available in that game Matabike um, 35 the last two games so so these guys aren't just fresh coming off of this game it's off of both games and that is gonna be a massive dis- difference maker compared to the last time the Ravens played the Titans when like Wolf played out of his mind but they, they just wore down by the fourth quarter. Well, if you can keep these guys fresh, they played so well in the first three three and and a half quarters against Derrick Henry. You have this type of rotation going, you put Ellis into that, uh, that gives me a lot more comfort going into that fourth quarter that if they start well, they can also finish well against Derrick yeah. Henry.
6: I completely agree. And, and that was really, to me, was the biggest problem in that game. It wasn't Wolf. I thought he played very well the whole time, but – Ellis really wore down, and not having two nose tackles for a game was a big mistake. They had Aaron Crawford available from the practice squad; they could have brought him up for that game. They didn't do it. Uh, he would have made a big difference. And I thought he played pretty well. I think it was against Pittsburgh. He finally got a chance, but uh, but he played pretty well the one time he was up. And I I was I was upset about that game. And Ellis very overworked, and obviously they ended up going to overtime in that game and losing thirty to twenty four. But it was very much a
5: Ellis had 58 snaps that game. I don't know yep. how you you keep up on that. And Wolf did where he was the one that gave up the I think it was in overtime he gave up that big run to Henry and he even said at the, at the end of the game he's like that was on me but nobody can really fault him after playing 56 snaps. So, and the other thing is is again against the the Bengals, the defense had 400 rushing yards on offense to get mm-hmm. them to, you know, 40 yards of time of possession versus 20. So, I mean, the Ravens offense had double the type of possession you're not going to get that against the Titans because they have the same basically strategy so last time the Ravens played the Titans it was almost split down the middle 31 for the Ravens 33 to Titans so it I mean the Titans can hold on to the ball and and turn out long drives also so that management and the and having all the healthy defensive linemen is going to make I think all the difference in the world
6: yeah, it 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 absolutely makes an enormous difference and and you're right in in the it's a very important thing to recognize is that in order to have a dominating defensive game, you often have to have a dominating uh, offensive game mm-hmm. where you're continually controlling the clock, keeping your own guys fresh. And it's, it's snap count that really matters for staying fresh on defense, but it's time of possession by the offense that reduces snap count on defense too. So it's it's a, it's a couple of components you're really working on. It just, the Ravens did a marvelous job of balancing that in this game. All right, let's get on to the second topic here, which is how well the secondary looks relative to last week. And I want to set this story up because I was very down on what the Ravens did in the secondary against the Giants. I thought they took a big gamble. They activated only four guys. The fourth guy was Pierre Desir. So they had the option also to bring up Nate Brooks for for that game. But in the first game, Humphrey actually got hurt. And they had Desir in the game as the the last man standing. Not the next man, the last man standing. So a scary situation anyway. Not what they wanted to do compounded by the fact that they had Richards in the game to replace Elliott for a five-snap streak as well. So they also had, you know, scraping the absolute bottom. Jordan Richards, you know, he, he's, he does not play on defense for the Ravens. I mean, he's, he's now had, I think, maybe eight or nine snaps over his two seasons with the Ravens. So he's it, not a guy you want in the game, and, and the Ravens finally have addressed their safety need this week.
5: Yes, they have. J. Ron Kurse j Ron Curse, which, which uh, you know, maybe we'll get more into this when we hit the packages, Ken, but um, as you know, again, uh, there's been no dime packages <laughs> like, yes. for weeks on end, and if there has been some, it's been like maybe two or three in a game. And um, I'm interested to see if both with Curse there and Jimmy Smith back, Peter's back, Humphrey's there... Favorites playing well. Will we be able to get back to a dime where we're not as worried about the linebackers and coverage and we can use safeties up in that dime backer role?
6: So, so right on the money. Damn, I love having you on the show. I got to tell you. <laughs> um, 163 dime snaps they played this year. Most of that, or a lot of that, was four corner dime they played against Pittsburgh or dime they played earlier in the year uh, when they were trusting Levine more in the role and had Gilchrist also. Remember, we had Gilchrist for a mm-hmm. while earlier in the season. But now for the year 163 out of 948, just let me do a little bit of math here. So they're at 17.2%. It's interesting. I thought it was 16.9 going into that game. Anyway, is,
5: what, off the top of your head, I don't want to make you do the math. What's the percentage in past years, would you say?
6: Well, I was going to tell you. It's oh, 40, 42.1% dime wow. and quarter packages last year, which was the most ever by the yeah. Ravens. Previous high was 34.5% in the 2000 Super Bowl year. And then the, uh, otherwise, in a normal year, they've had about 28 to 30% dime. So this year uh, is exceptionally low, and it's using board as this proxy dime back that's, that's been. And I'm with you. I, I think they need to at least have the option to play dime. But I think Curse, given his hulking size... Certainly is more of a box safety, but hopefully, and I really don't know this about him, he has the ability to understand his own zone responsibilities well enough and understand, as safeties usually do better than linebackers, what's going on behind him in coverage so that he can use that information with reading the quarterback to get into passing lanes.
5: One hundred percent. And and we can get deeper into it. I'm just, uh, I'd be curious. Well, I'll ask you this question when we get to the packages, Ken, when, when we talk more about okay. the race car and all that. But I do have a question for you there. But, but it's so, my question, I'll get to it, is like a, it's like a good problem to have. Like, who, like, mm-hmm. who are you going to choose now to be in those dying packages when you have, um, now you can choose from seven. <laughs> you know, that you don't have to just like be like, okay, these are the only six that we have. Um, and when I say seven, I mean including board and 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 the other guys in there. So, um, but it's so it feels so good, and I can only imagine what Wink Martindale is feeling, to like be like, look at all the options I have at my yes. disposal now, and guess what, like. Offenses haven't been able to prepare for it on film because I haven't had it. There you go.
6: <laughs> so so you go. this
5: is going to be a little bit of a surprise attack, I think, with some of the packages he may be using.
6: Now, the normal rule is for advanced scouting is you go back four weeks. So you're looking back four weeks. So if he goes back to last season, I think they w- they will not recall or they will not have on on in their preparation, a lot of what the Ravens may be doing on dime. Now maybe they've got a really good advanced scouting unit. And they'll say, hey, J. Ron Kirst completely changes that equation. If he's in there, we got to look at the dime again. And then we got to figure out how to attack it differently than going after Chris Board or Queen or whoever might be in the game in that package. Right. All right, let's talk about the secondary though and the remainder because because we talked about the safety and now they've addressed this one problem, but they've also the cornerback situation. They had three cornerbacks questionable this week during the week, Humphrey, Peters, and uh, Jimmy Smith, of course, who did not play, mm-hmm. all questionable this week. I think Trayvon Williams might've been on the uh, report at the start of the week. If not, we had four corners on last week uh, on the list. But either way, it's been scary as heck with what's going on. The biggest news coming out of this game was how well and Peters played and how fresh he looked. Oh, looked like yeah. he had his speed, looked moving normally. And you know, the last time we saw him, not everybody probably noticed this, but on the safety against Cleveland, because I think that's the last time he played, he got absolutely run over by Jordan... Um, uh, I can't remember his name here. Jordan Richards on the, on the safety... Where they, when they were trying to defend the entire field and got rolled up at the very end of that play. And, you know, what should be a joyous moment, I'm like, what's, what's happening with Peters you know over there? To Peters. <laughs> and, you know, we're going crazy. But anyway, yeah, to have I, him back.
5: I felt like I saw a big difference in him also. And what makes me hopeful about Jimmy Smith is not only that Harbaugh said there's a good chance because you never he's mm-hmm. always trying to play some sort of games with that. It's more that he returned to practice last week. Mm-hmm. And so to know that he was practicing last week and he had a chance, and now you give him a whole other week where he'll be there for practice, like I feel, unless he has a setback, I feel very optimistic that he's going to play.
6: Yeah, I, I agree. And, I, you know, I don't know what to draw from this, but the fact that he was extended this week – also tells me that whatever's kind of wrong is something they think is going to be right pretty soon. If you have a longer-term injury, I don't think they'd necessarily be in a rush to sign him if it was if the shoulder or any one of these other joint things, which it just seems to be about every joint on his body right now. If any of those were like more severe injuries, I think they'd they'd be more hesitant to sign it, but they think he's ready at some point during the playoffs, or I don't think they'd have done it.
5: Yeah, well, I mean, I guess he could have still been like weekly, and they're not quite sure with game time decisions, and they may have done it. But I agree with you that you know it's it's not a long term a long term issue. And I'll just say this since we're we're talking about Jimmy and and just a quick reaction to to that signing. Um, I've said this for the past two two years, Ken. I've been on here the last two years, and you were like, oh, I don't know, this might be his last <laughs> year. And I'm like, nope, <laughs> nope, Ken. Good. I think it's gonna happen, and I just think that. He's falling into well, Jimmy Smith because of his injury history, uh, so from outsiders fans and 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 reporters, it's he doesn't fall into that Raven for life category. But I think that is what he and Harbaugh and the Ravens, Eric DaCosta, are going for. I think that they I think Jimmy loves this organization from the day that he was drafted that the Ravens stuck behind him despite all the draft reports that he was trouble, bad character issues, red flags, all of that. And the Ravens drafted him. I still remember Tory Smith sticking up for him in that first press conference when they were both his rookies coming in. And all the questions were like, what about your character, mm-hmm. you know? And so the Ravens have stood by him. And so he, he wants to stay with the Ravens. I think they got him at a very reasonable price for a starting caliber defensive back where, I mean, it's draft up capital. To five, You
6: mean um, that? Where they got him during the draft?
5: No, 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 I. Oh I no, no, it's switched, five million. I switched, okay. Yeah, yeah, the five million. Sorry, I kind of mm-hmm. switched gears from the draft to what they just signed. What they reportedly signed him for, which is up to five million. But that—that's if he's balling out. More likely, it come in between. I don't know, one and two point five million, based off of what he does. And so, um, I think that's very reasonable, even considering his injury history. Because again, when they have everybody back, he will be like cornerback number four. Um, so. So I love it and I'm I'm happy he and Harbaugh have that strong relationship and I think he's gonna retire a Raven.
6: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think and, and I don't even know whether it'll be after next year. I mean, I think he, mm-hmm. it, it could possibly go on one year at a time. There's three Ravens that I can think of that are currently in that same category that will I think will probably finish as Ravens. They're all in their thirties. And they're, they're guys that I see sticking with the team. And I'm not even counting like a Derek Wolf in this category, who if he signs his next contract, odds are pretty good. He finishes uh-huh. with the Ravens. But the two other guys are... Pernell McPhee, who's, I know he's on his second tour, but it seems to me right now, his injury history is something other teams don't want to don't want to trust, but the Ravens really understand his value. And I think right. they're going to keep him coming back on a four-life veteran contract for as long as he wants to play football. And, you know, at some point, Pernell McPhee's going to decide he wants to do something else with his life, Co- coach college football, the injuries get to be too much, whatever it is. But, you know, at a million and a half dollars a year, whatever he'll make otherwise, it seems like a pretty cool place to spend your time otherwise
5: yeah definitely Uh, both of them both of them keep doing these one-year contracts maybe a two-year and you retire you know you don't even have to finish out the second one and the Ravens aren't hurt by it or you know like they did with Yonda Um, Mm -hmm. but okay so you said Jimmy Smith McPhee uh, and who else so
6: the, the other one is Levine and, oh, okay. you know, so he's signed, he's been one of a, the guys who's been on these rotational two-year deals, meaning every two years, he becomes a free agent, signs a new two-year deal for about $3 million, or, or it's usually vet minimum plus two to $400,000 of signing bonus. That's the perfect price. Mm. And when you can pl- pl- make a defensive contribution also, the Ravens have done great job finding value in those guys. Albert McClellan gary stills going back a while these were guys that they 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 had other value from levine for years you know great dime back and and the ravens frankly didn't figure out that they had a great dime back on their hands for a long time but then he was uh now maybe he's a little bit past that maybe they don't trust him on defense or maybe it's just the injuries this year maybe next year he'd be fine going back to playing dime so we'll see and uh, and he could be one but now it looks to me like chris board might be the new guy. If he's a guy who can play linebacker some in some situations and also be a great special teamer, that's the perfect Raven for life kind of two-year-at-a-time guy.
5: For sure. And Harbaugh was, you know, raving about him or has recently. Um, Another guy just coming up out of nowhere. Um, And Harbaugh talked about how, you know, you get a lot of these linebackers that make the team for their special team's ability. And it's rare this quickly... To like suddenly catch fire on defense, mm-hmm. and Chris Board has been able to do that um, specifically as a pass rusher. Rush, you know, um, uh, not as much in coverage. Although he had a sweet coverage play yes. <laughs> uh, against Giovanni Bernard, where he like uh, I thought for a split moment that it was um, Marlon Humphrey because he was keeping up so quickly. You also had the four on the back of the jersey, but he was he was keeping up and using that sideline so like with with like defensive back savvy i was like where yes. did this come from you know so so yeah i think he's he's on um he's definitely trending up
6: yeah i very positive about him and the ravens did have big hopes for chris board as a uh, playmaking linebacker, not just a special teamer when he was a rookie. And it didn't work out because of injuries, got on the field for a couple plays and then not many the year after. I think he's in year three now and not year four. I think he's in year three. So they're at a point where they could sign him for two years here, or they might just decide, let him go and then bring him back kind of thing, which they often have done uh, as well. But anyway, I, want, I did want to talk about the cornerbacks. I kind of got off off target here. The Ravens now, they're five cornerbacks that they had active in this game included Brooks, but it was Humphrey Peters, Averitt, and Tremont Williams were the top four. They actually all got in the game together for one snap, but that's a pretty good core. You add back in Jimmy Smith to that group and discard Brooks. That's the best cornerback group in the NFL right now.
5: Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. And I just love, again, you mentioned Peters feeling healthy. I mean, they all complement each other so well. Mm -hmm. And Averitt, we'll talk about him later, completely coming on, so... It's, it's a fantastic sec- secondary if they can all be on there together.
6: Yeah, smoke smoking game for sure. And obviously, if you are going to be afraid of one thing about the Cincinnati Bengals, it's their wide receiver core. And they lost T. Higgins early in this game, but they still have a pretty good group of wide receivers. Their quarterback had a 97 rating coming into this game. Well, in this game, 2.3 yards per attempt, two interceptions, and a 0.0 passer rating. This was the first time this comes from... I will give the appropriate uh, person uh, credit here. Uh, Brent Dawson, who does some work on filmstudybaltimore.com, is the first time in NFL history that a quarterback has had 20-plus attempts with zero sacks and a zero passer rating. First time in (laughs) NFL history. Now, what that tells you is that it wasn't all the pressure the Ravens generated, and that's certainly true. We're going to talk about that a little bit later, but that's certainly true. It wasn't all pressure. The generated the zero. And the secondary deserves an extra helping of the positivity after this.
5: Oh, it's, yeah. And again, to your point, it played, it, the secondary played that well, and then we're about to even get another upgrade. <laughs> yes. So it, it's, you know, which which they'll need uh, for, for a
6: playoff run. So next week, they're going to play the Titans. What is your expectation? And maybe you've discussed this with other people like you or anybody else you might have discussed it with in terms of, do you think Curse will be active given he's on the practice squad now? And also, uh, I, guess, I, I guess we're hoping certainly that Jimmy Smith is active for this first playoff game.
5: Right. I don't know. I was thinking about this um, as I was preparing for this show, thinking about dime packages. Yep. Um, I thought... J-Ron cursed because he was, you know, brought over from another team. He didn't have to go through, you know, six days of in quarantine because he was already taking, you know, the tests and all that. So when I found out he was eligible to play, I thought he might be active for mm-hmm. some sub-packages, and then he wasn't. So, which isn't crazy. I mean, he only had, you know, three practices under his belt, and um, the Ravens like to do lots of different things on on defense. So, um, It's hard for me to say because I can't see. I don't see what he's doing in practice. I can't see it.
4: Hey, I'm sorry to interrupt here. We had a technical issue, so I'm going to send it to the commercial right here, and then we'll be right back.
0: Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go. Every day giftable. Every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a Scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize 1 in
3: 3.21. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select-bagged mulch, now starting at just two eighty-eight dollars a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii.
6: So in in the in the case of how they would use curse, I'd I'd start by saying the Titans are set up with a lot of twelve personnel packages. They obviously like to play big because they like to run Henry. But Furkser was a guy who I think had some catches against him in the first game. He certainly is a annoying tight end who has some ability to catch the ball. Uh, otherwise, is not a particularly talented football player. At least that's not the way I think of him. But uh, but he's a guy that needs to be marked. And I think Chris Board. Uh, is probably not the ideal guy, and and being a much bigger player, curse, uh, playing him directly off the slot or even at the end of the line of scrimmage is a good matchup to try and take Ferkser out of the game. Uh, you know they have other guys. Janu Smith is a big guy who who hurt the Ravens with a touchdown pass, I believe, in the last game. Uh, they have Michael Pruitt as well, who's played some. So they they really do have the ability to play 12 and 13 personnel like other teams have not. The Ravens really need an answer versus opposing tight ends for this game.
5: Right, and I do like uh, Curse's size. He's 6'4", 215, and I'm sure that um, Ravens fans will remember uh, late in the game all the defensive backs bouncing off A.J. Brown as he went in to the end zone um, and, and you know scored, scored for the, the Titans. And so um, there's certainly that need for, for the size of Curse. So while he is playing that safety, or he could play that dimeback role, he brings he brings that size against a very physical Titans offense.
6: Yeah, it's I, I think I think he would have some run ability as well, and he's a tall, lean guy at two fifteen. But still, that's bigger than than most safeties. The compact mm-hmm. safeties tend to be the better run defense guys, but still. You know, what I like is the physicality he could apply to an opposing tight end right off the line of scrimmage. I think the Ravens have lacked that, you know, looking ahead to players like Kelsey or Ebron or any of these guys that they, that they might face in the playoffs. Uh, he's, just a, he's just a very positive addition from that perspective. I like it. All right. Let's see. What what I want to talk about next? The next thing I want to talk about is a kind of a, a, a fluffy topic, but A.J. Green, the Ravens, I, I believe— have sent him into retirement with probably the worst game of his career. Uh, It had to be close. Uh, Just to to uh, replay this here, he had zero catches on six targets, uh, two interceptions. He did draw two pass interference calls immediately before the interception in the end zone by Peters. But uh, boy, was that a bad game.
5: It it was a bad game. Uh, But to be clear, you think he's retiring? You don't think he'll go to another team for another try?
6: put yourself in a gm's shoes you're any gm in the entire national football league there's going to be crap on twitter about wanting aj green back and then there's going to be sure. all kinds of video from this year of two types one of the lip-reading type on the sideline saying yeah. just just trade me the other one is any number of clips where he's apathetic on interceptions including the clark interception in this game that's i mean yeah. for him not to put his hands up try and punch at the football do anything unforgivable Unforgivable. Yeah. I, if I'm the quarterback in that situation, Brandon Allen, I'm I'm pissed at him for that.
5: How old is AJ Green?
6: Thirty-two, and he will be thirty-three on July 31st, I believe.
5: Right. Well, I, mean, I was my counter to you was going to be if if I put myself in a GM shoe shoes, Des Bryant <laughs> just came back no. from three years. However. Des Bryant has the ultimate hungry attitude yeah. where he was willing to do anything. So if you add in what you were, you know, your lip reading, as you, as you phrased it, kind of component, then, you know, the body language and all that isn't there like it is for, for uh, Des. However, it, I don't know, it wouldn't surprise me if somebody picked him up.
6: It would be a pretty desperate team to really try and do it. I mean, A.J. Green's had five yards per target this year. That's just terrible. I don't care yeah. who's throwing you the ball. Uh, what I, The difference between Bryant and Green, and Bryant's been every bit as bad a receiver as Green has been this year, but Bryant is trying, and it's very evident in his run yeah. blocking how yeah. wh- how much he wants to try and help the team in whatever way he can. So, On the
5: 72-yarder by Dobbins, yeah. There you go. Yeah,
6: Run down the right sideline by Jackson. He also had a good a good block as well. I mean, he had he had multiple good run blocks in this game in a game where he obviously had a lot of opportunities with fifty four runs, but I still liked every time I see him making a good run block. In fact, anytime I I see any eligible receiver making a good run block, I'm happy.
5: Right, right. Well, I do expect it on Twitter, and so I'm sure you will have fun slapping Raven's <laughs> fans down, being like, no. I, I no. mean. <laughs>
6: isn't he in a way the ultimate example you use for any 33 year old receiver people want, want side. I mean, yeah. I basically my my rule is never sign a guy that age t- to a contract where you think he's going to be immediately productive because the Ravens offense is different from anything else in the league. They don't throw the ball that much receivers no. get unhappy. They have to do more blocking. They don't like that. You know, Antonio Brown here, I think would have been a nightmare. I mean, I just, I don't think oh. it would have worked out. Oh. Uh, so, you know, all these older receivers that everybody seems to want on Twitter, and I say that, I know 94% of the people on Twitter don't want it, but the 6% that do want them are very, very vocal. Loud. They're
5: local. Yes, they, <laughs> they are very, very loud. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, whatever, this is defense. I, I know that the Ravens are 32nd in passing, but um, I like the route that they took with, with these younger receivers. I'll just yeah. leave it at that.
6: Me too. Me too. Let's move on to packages here because we, we've, we've obviously you've been dying to talk dime with me and <laughs> anybody who wants to talk dime with me, I'm dying to talk dime with them. So uh, talk about a little bit w- about what they used in the, in, in terms of packages, they did not play any jumbo. So one of the interesting things was the, the Bengals got first and goal at the one yard line. Well, there's no need to change package. We'll just play the nickel still with two down linemen. I can just tell you as a defensive analyst, it's very unusual that teams will do that. They'll at least put in their base defense when the other team's trying to, to run from the one yard line. <laughs> but but not the ravens they completely dissed the bengals offensive line basically with this and not only that the bengals then threw the ball they got great pressure from the only two linemen they had on the field <laughs> and he threw one of the easiest flotation devices you'll ever see for a, for a which probably if he'd gotten control of the ball or a, a a step earlier i think would have been a pick six
5: yeah, well, he, he, and it and it ended up not ma- ma- mattering because J.K. Dobbins went and took care of the rest on like the next player, the, ne- two the second next two plays, yep. two plays later. Um, so I know a lot of people are like, why didn't he try to run it back? And like, as I was like trying to reply to him, there went JK Dobbins and I'm like, it's all good. <laughs> um, but no, that, that is hilarious that they're a nickel and, and you're right there. I mean, it was only two down linemen, but it just happened to be Clays Campbell and Brennan Williams. And they just went straight up the gut and Alan was like fearing for his life. <laughs> so he threw that floater, but a very odd, um, call, but it, it obviously worked out.
6: Uh, we heard a little bit of flack on Twitter today. Of course, like, I don't know why my life revolves around Twitter. But once you have your tweet deck up, what I would encourage people is, if you've got multiple computers in your room, which I do, don't have tweet deck up on multiple machines. It forces you to look at these same messages a couple of times, but I do. And I have to, I have to kind of you know, keep myself from spending too much time on it. But the thing I was noticing today was that Calais Campbell and Brandon Williams are the two defensive linemen who actually are back from the previous Tennessee game that that weren't active for that game. Mm-hmm. So... Those are the two guys they put in at the at the at the goal line, and you hear a lot from Titans fans. What what kind of difference are two defensive linemen going to make? You think that's going to be what stops Derrick Henry? Yes, well, yeah. <laughs> I think and that is resounding, the Resounding,
5: yes. Yeah.
6: So anyway, good news there. Uh, Ravens played three snaps of base defense in this game. The, the, the Bengals did not play much 12 personnel, but when they tried it, the Ravens put in their base defense uh, if it was done on early downs, and uh, they I don't have the yards per, per play on those base packages right in front of me, but it wasn't particularly bad. The Jumbo Nickel, they played 13 snaps. That did not end up as good. They had the, gave it a 55-yard play with it. Jumbo Nickel, three down linemen, one inside linebacker, two outside yeah. linebackers, and Nickel secondary.
5: I put that one on Deshaun Elliott. I mean, he should have. He just overran it and he only got. Yes. I mean, he had a clear line to go and blow that up in the backfield, and the angle was bad. He overplayed it and got one hand, and he went off for 55 yards. Luckily, Humphrey yeah. saved the day on that one. But anyway, I'm sure that that hurt those jumbled nickel package numbers.
6: That was um, most the of it. Forward. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That was the damage. When you look at the jumbo nickel combined with the standard nickel, it's not bad, 5.3 yards per play overall, but they were over seven with the, with the jumbo nickel. The standard nickel, 15 times, uh, used it against 11 personnel on early downs, and they alternated a little between those two packages in this game. Uh, Bengals averaged only 3.6 yards per play with the standard nickel uh, against the standard nickel. So already that's 20, 31 of the snaps right there. They only had nine other snaps they ran of any type. The rush nickel came on. That's the one with three outside linebackers, Mm -hmm. and they used that for four plays. Uh, The first two were were out plays, meaning they were third downs where they got them off the field. The, the, The last two were the last two plays of the game when they ran twice for 21. Those are the only yards they gained against it. So it was incomplete, incomplete. And then two runs for 21 when I don't even really consider those real plays at that point. Yeah,
5: I've got nothing much to add there, Ken. Go ahead. All
6: right, and then the race car. Of course, they played five times. Their four outside linebacker package, which is really now, I think, the signature defense of the Martindale era. It's the one package the Ravens never played before he showed up in in 25 years. And then all of a sudden, it's a package that he used six times his first year, 13.2% of the snaps in, in year two. Very significant play. And then has still used it as a... Uh, a, a highly a, a very regular pass defense in this third year
5: but do you think this third year it's out of necessity
6: so my, my thought on that is that martindale it's it's not necessarily necessity it's really that he likes the flexibility of having four outside linebackers on the field when two of them are Judon and Bowser, who have that tremendous coverage flexibility that allows for a lot of pass rush scheme. So I think that's really the motivation behind it more than they, I like to have all the pass rushers I can on the field. It does happen. They have a lot of good outside linebacker pass rushers that include Ngakwe and McPhee and Ward and Ferguson and guys that can really help them who who can line up down. Uh, But I think it's mostly about that flexibility.
5: Okay. Okay.
6: All right. And we'll see if it goes away because, you know, they could be without one or even both of their Sam linebackers next year. And if they don't have that flexibility, they may well go to a different type of package.
5: Right, right. He has had flexibility with both Judon and Bowser being able to play in so many different ways. McPhee Mm -hmm. can move around. I mean, he does have a lot of flexibility with those outside linebackers.
6: Yeah, great to see that, too. Um, the dime package, again, not, was not played at all this week. Uh, it's actually, I, I did the calculation wrong, it's 16.4% for the year now, so it's well down from by about 25 percentage points from last year uh, in terms of how often they've used it. So a quarter of the snaps have switched from dime or quarter to just a, some form of the nickel. So uh, that's a big change.
5: So, okay, so here's my question to you. If, if Jimmy Smith and J-Ron Curse are both mm-hmm. active... What's your ideal dime package?
6: So, if if it's there's going to be two types of dime packages that might be required in the playoffs. If they're playing Pittsburgh sp- specifically, they play a lot of four wide receiver packages that are either because they have 10 or 01 personnel on the field meaning one tight end but mm-hmm. four wide receivers uh, with that in those cases the Ravens are sort of forced into a four corner dime that they played in the first meeting with Pittsburgh. And their, their weakness there is that they don't really have two slot corners. So it'd be Humphrey and Tremont Williams would have to be the guys who would, who would be slots in that. And then they have two outside corners with probably still Averett and Peters based on where we are now. Although, you know, having Smith as the first man up is tremendously valuable. If, they, if it's a matter of tight ends being used, so it's really a split tight end uh, that it's being used more frequently, like we might see against the chiefs with three wide receivers. Then I think uh, either Jimmy Smith or J Ron curse could cover the tight end along with three other corners, or it could be Smith moving back to the outside and curse on the tight end. I, I really don't know how to, how they'll, how they'll play it for sure. I always feel who, as some, I'm who sorry. At
5: dimebacker who had Dimebacker.
6: Well, if if it's a, a regular dime with a third safety, then it's curse coming in. We didn't actually talk about that yet. The regular dime with a third safety has got to be curse coming in in the box. I, I I think he's not a guy you want on the back end. Right. I think you you reduce the risk of coverage breakdown if you stay with Clark and Elliott on the back end.
5: What about? I remember they did this in week one. What about Jimmy Smith at safety and Chuck Clark uh, in at dime?
6: So that that would be another option. I I'm not. Really eager on that. The reason is that I think Jim, you take injury risk with Jimmy Smith on the back end. Maybe it's the appropriate time because, hey, we're in the playoffs. This is <laughs> yeah, this a time is to win. Um, I think he does give you a little bit better player, but Jimmy Smith has so much value as the third or fourth cornerback. I mm-hmm. wouldn't want to risk that. It's just, I mean, that's... If if all of a sudden you, you have Jimmy Smith in at safety, you get him hurt, and then a cornerback gets hurt, you really got problems. And so yeah. it seems like extra risk where Curse would be almost as valuable in terms of his contribution to the package in total as Smith would be playing the back end of a dime look.
5: Yeah, I'm I'm fine with any of those. I just need the inside linebackers on these third and longs. To be out. <laughs> to be out. <laughs> like, I just need them out. And I like that there's so many options now with defensive backs who are just, you know, that's what they do. They're they, coverage. And, you know, Patrick Queen isn't there yet, isn't figuring out what's going on behind him board is improving but i don't think he's you know excellent at it yet and so uh, i just would like them them off in those passing situations i mean that and makes the third most and longs
6: yeah that makes the most sense to me I and mean, i i wouldn't be completely objecting to having fort do it cuz fort really understands what his shallow zone responsibilities are and probably is mm-hmm. better read the quarterback ability than anyone the ravens have otherwise got at the position but i'm also okay if they just play bowser off the line of scrimmage and he ends up taking that kind of a role and i'm f- absolutely fine if only clark or only curse is in there with four outside linebackers one dime one down lineman and five other members of the secondary so you have a dime package that way with no inside linebackers Ooh. so they they play that some they played that okay. some this year hey, so
5: bring that on for me i yeah. like it yeah. <laughs>
6: So we, we might see some more of that. That's the that's the that's one version of the race car dime they played early in the season. All right, thank you so much. It's like the best New Year's present at all to be able to talk dime package with something <laughs> somebody who really knows their stuff. I really appreciate that. It's fun. All right, uh, let's talk about the pass rush here because there was this was a game where there was so little scheme. It's it's really remarkable. Okay. Talk about a little bit you, about some specific six of twenty-one yeah, yeah. ample time. <laughs> Sorry, six of twenty-one ample time and space in the game. Twenty-nine percent—that's below average. The Ravens are thirty-three and a third percent for the year. Um, they did only have six of the, those twenty-one AT, uh dropbacks were pressure events. Five pressures and one quarterback hit. I know you'll say, "Well, there were two quarterback hits in the game," and there were, but one of them was late, so it was it was really after an ATS opportunity had already occurred. So I just want to make that point. Um, Here's the big difference. They only had four blitzes from off the line of scrimmage this entire game. That's 0.19 per dropback. Last week against the Giants, 34 blitzes from off the line of scrimmage, which is, by the way, the most I can ever remember in 70. Sorry, in 47 plays, which was 0.72 per play last wow. week. So they they blitz one fourth as often and one one eighth as often in absolute number.
5: And do you think Wink did that based off of who the quarterback was with Allen?
6: Yeah, I think I think it's definitely a game plan thing. So yeah. we we're, we're we're seeing Wink be very specific about how he wants to attack. And you know, we all we think of Wink as being a very aggressive guy. I just think he's a very schemy guy. He he wants to beat you a scheme in addition to beating you with one-on-one matchups if he has that option. So if Campbell can win a one-on-one matchup, if, if Judon can, if Ngakwe can, great. But we're also going to throw some scheme at you just in case.
5: Right, right.
6: They did have six stunts in the game. They developed three, uh, two pressures on that, so not particularly effective compared to what they've done in other games this year. They had six simulated pressures where they dropped two-plus uh, from the line of scrimmage. Uh, that was okay, but not particularly special. The two deceptive rushes that included multiple elements, they did get a quarterback hit, uh, and a pressure. The one quarterback hit was also the intentional grounding by McPhee.
5: I did love the one, the one blitz. He didn't do it often, but the one where, um, who I think Chuck Clark came, Bowser came, Bowser came right up the middle and Allen was like, Mm -hmm. holy crap. He looked to his left. He can't run there because there co- here comes Chuck Clark. Then he goes to his right, and there's McPhee. And as that's when he got the intentional grounding. McPhee obviously had mm-hmm. him dead in his sights. And, I mean, there was no place for Allen to go. You almost felt a little bit sorry for him on that one. So when he did send those, that pressure, uh, Allen really did feel it.
6: Yeah, that that was a that was a great case where Bowser was lined up as a standing inside linebacker on the play, and we've seen some of that from Judan, not as often from Bowser, but his ability to look for a gap and use his quickness to to get through a clean one is just he's he's extremely quick and extremely good and decisive about doing it. And in this case, the the Bengals really made it easy for him. They left a big gaping hole in the middle. It was wide open. Yeah. I mean yeah. there
5: was. I could have ran through that for sure, and I'm slow as molasses, so, yeah.
6: <laughs> All right, anyway, very fun to watch. Uh, Bowser's certainly one of the players who really stood out to me in this game, but let's talk about any individuals you'd like to, Sarah. Start us off, and then we'll alternate.
5: I'll start with my guy, Anthony Averett. That guy is coming on, and, uh, I mean, it's just, it's so nice to have it, but, um, Two pass deflections, which I mean, you got to go back and watch them. I mean, they're just mm-hmm. they're just gorgeous. One of them, um, he had a, a near pick. He read Allen's eyes. It was on second and thirteen, um, and he stepped right in front of AJ Green. We talked about AJ Green not having uh, any catches. A big reason for that, or one of the reasons for that, is Anthony Averitt. Mm-hmm. Um Anthony Averitt did get that pass interference on on AJ Green. It's a little bit what was that
6: there? <laughs> yes. What was that? It was it wasn't a very good call. Yes, it was it's was, it was a bit
5: ticky tacky because they just got their arms locked up, you know. But he's so long. We've always known that he's had this great body and he's got that athleticism. But but now that he knows how to use it, now that he's starting to anticipate things, like that thing where he that play where he had the near pick, he had his hand on it. He anticipated, he read the eyes, he knew that was coming, so he could jump it, you know? And that's what we've only really seen from corners, we've only really seen that from, I feel like, Peters, you know? So it was nice to see him anticipate. Um, John Harbaugh has been talking about Everett for a long time, that he's always seen him at the, as this starting caliber cornerback, and I feel like he's just, with experience, like with most anybody, like when you go into the NFL game, you're gonna go through some growing pains, and now he's had that, because he was forced to, um, that he's starting to trust his instincts more. So I love already the talent, the athleticism, the build. And now that he, it's the light is starting to come on, uh, watch out. That is really great to see. Um, the Ravens are already so strong in the secondary, and he can only take it to another level.
6: Yeah, it's, it's, he's a remarkable you know, find over, over the three years, you know, he had a, he had a very fine rookie year where he played 65 snaps and he looked pretty good. That's 65 snaps by my accounting. There's some penalties too, but he looked good in that year. And then he kind of took a step back regressed a little bit. A lot of his playing time in 2019 came in that Arizona game where the Ravens had a lot of problems and they had to play four corner dime in that game. They about the only other time other than Pittsburgh, they've had to play it and that he had some troubles in that game So he didn't really step forward in year two, but he has played so well this year. I think the only game where there's kind of an impression that he didn't play well was that Dallas game, but that was schematic is they were trying to let all those Dallas receivers just have catches in front of them and basically slow down their offense down the field. It was just it was part of the game plan was to allow catches in front of them. And they did a great job of minimizing big plays from a really dangerous receiving core in that game, in a game the Ravens had handily anyway at the at at that time.
5: Yeah, a great, great addition. Who do you got on your list? Well, let
6: me let me talk one more thing about Averitt, because the other thing oh, okay. I loved, and you, you're it's the, inter- the near interception I want to talk about. It reminded me very much of Peter's interception because Peter's same kind of thing, one hand, right arm extended, tip drill to himself. And Peter's has a lot more experience, obviously, in playing the football uh, than than Averett does. But but he he made that great play, and Averitt also he was just like not even a half step late. You know, he was inches late in terms of yeah. getting the interception there but sometimes that is all the difference uh the other break on the football uh you know to, to basically come to the same spot I thought there was a flag out and I thought there was going to be some sort of an interference or a, or a holding call probably an interference call but he was he was there right on time you look at that there's no way they could have called interference on that and it turned out to be some sort of formation or illegal shift penalty that they they'd called on the uh on the Bengals
5: well, what I would also like to just, like, it feels like until this last game, there was a little bit of a turnover drought, and the Ravens are mostly um, mm-hmm. this forced fumble turnover team. Um, and, and as you've pointed out to me before, um, when you get those forced fumbles, it doesn't always mean that you're going to recover them. And so you want mm-hmm. those interceptions, and, and, and so if, if with Peters back healthy, if Averett just keeps getting better and continue to trust his instincts, it would be so nice to get, you know, an interception from him, another turnover. Because I mean, these are the things. There's just so, just one or two plays every time in the playoffs. It's going to like change the game. And mm-hmm. if Averett can be that guy, well, holy smokes, you think it's going to come from Peters or Humphrey, but but you don't necessarily expect it from Averett. So if he can be that guy, what a difference maker he could be. He's he's so close to doing that, Ken.
6: Yeah, I, I, very exciting. The next guy I want to talk about is a guy I think has some of that ability. And that's Chuck Clark, who I think had just a marvelous game. But, you know, we have, we've seen Chuck Clark in position to make some plays this year. He really hasn't done it very often. Uh, he's been on the football a couple times as a recover, at least once. Uh, he had the, he had the interception on the sideline in this game. Uh, he did have, he did have previous interceptions. He had an interception at Kansas City in either 18 or 19. Uh, but, but he's been, he, he's, it's not like he's not a turnover guy. I think it, the, the ball hasn't just fallen Right. The Ravens are a team with Wolf and Calais Campbell that gets a fair number of PDs that bounce up high in the air. Some of those have got to turn into interceptions, and that's where that's where a player like Clark playing in the box as the dime would have a better chance to generate those than than he does on the back end uh, or or even in coverage of a tight end where he's got more of that man responsibility. So uh, bringing Jimmy Smith back for the playoffs, that'll add more ball skills that you're talking about to try and you know, mm-hmm. generate – you know turnovers. The other thing that'll do it is if if the pass rush can get going, uh, they can have some forced fumbles in the backfield. Those are much more likely to be recovered by the defense than the offense. So you got you got maybe a better chance there. In addition to to, to getting your hand up and and on the football,
5: right? And Chuck Clark. And I mean, just so many that he just seemed to read, like he, 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 broke on, um, he made this breaking play on the ball to, for, for a pass to AJ Green. Yep. And that was definitely going to be a reception. And he just came over and knocked it right out of his hands. Um, I, I mean, Clark was part of that intentional grounding I, and then the toe tap, the toe tap mm-hmm. given those like receiver skills, getting it in. I just, I agree. He was, he was, uh, he kept jumping out to me as I was watching the tape.
6: All right. Who's your next?
5: Uh, Tyus Bowser. Tyus freaking Bowser. I'm, like, loving him right now. Uh, And here's the thing that, like, again, watching... I mean, basically, you know, what I do in preparation for this is I go back and I make sure I watch... Every play on the game pass. And I just, anytime somebody pops out on me, Ken, I just write a quick note. Mm -hmm. And it's Bowser's name. When I went back through my notes to see who I would like, okay, who's the guy? Bowser, Bowser, Bowser just kept coming up. And it's, you know, big things like sealing the edge. Um, I, I just over and over and over again. And I'm just like, thank you. That was such a problem last year. And, and then there was the one, the one where he had the diving open field tackle on, on a third down to force a punt in the second half at some point. And I'm just like, if he had missed that, that would have gone another, I, I don't know, at least five yards, if not more. But just diving after it in this open field, and I'm like, where has this Tyus Bowser been for these first three years? But he is exactly, exactly, I think, more now what the Ravens envisioned when they drafted him with that that second round pick. Just... just um, you know, not necessarily um, big, huge stats, but such an important part in sealing that ed- edge.
6: Yeah, I'm, I'm very concerned about about what other teams, specifically the Jets and Patriots, are going to want him this offseason. They both got money, and they have a good chance to outbid the Ravens. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's certainly a player that, that brings an awful lot to this team. I, I want to go back to your process for a second because, first of all, brilliant. That's exactly the way I do it. And okay. And, uh, uh, you know, it's also when... People always ask me about how do I get into this? How can I study film? Well, it, it's just do exactly what you said. <laughs> is is basically write down the quarter in time and then just yep. des- describe the play. And when a player sticks out to you on, on on a on a on a play, develop a shorthand that will allow you to relay that quickly, whether you want to do that on Twitter or whether you wanna uh, you know count something that's fine too or if you just want to watch film and try and like figure out what's going on play by play just do exactly what sarah said she's perfect description of of exactly how it should be done (laughs)
5: Well, and it's easy if you want to try. Go ahead and do it on this one because you only have to do 40 snaps. Yes, you I was going to ask you, Ken. I was going to ask you. I felt like your defensive notes came out much earlier than normal. And I was like, is it because it was yes. only 40 defensive snaps? <laughs> okay, yes, Ex-
6: you're exactly right. So so my, my notes were done overnight for the first time this year. I was done like 430 or something. And uh, it's first time this year I've been done that early.
5: Wow, good for you. Um,
6: all right. I'll, I'll take the next player. I'll take Marcus Peters. Uh, there were f there were situations this game Marcus Marcus Peters did not play perfectly. He was blocked on some run plays. One thing I'm I'm noticing from Peters and one of the things that that made him look healthier than he might have been is he was aggressive and physical. Now Peters I think of being you know very selectively physical and and perhaps at the direction of the team which would be smart or perhaps just in his own decision making about his career has decided to be less physical under certain circumstances. But I've not- been noticing a player who wants to come off the edge and make a play against the run more often than not. And
5: I noticed that too. In fact I like I was like I saw it so much that because I always hear on Twitter, oh, Peters is a terrible tackler and like again, I'm not saying he's like a tackling machine, but I don't think he's as bad as people say. but to your point, I mean he was even more aggressive than than I've seen before. Where he was just like, I just feel like he was loving football.
6: Right. Yeah. It's in the moment. When Lamar
5: came back from COVID, this guy was out, Was he was out two weeks, right? And it's like, who knows when he's going to have an opportunity like this again, where he's on this caliber of a secondary, this close to the playoffs, this close to mm. having a Super Bowl contending team. He just, he just, he was, I, I don't know. I, I agree with you. I saw him be very physical yesterday.
6: Yeah, I, Even though
5: he didn't always—I mean, he still got a small body, so it's not like he was um, always, you know, laying the wood on people, but but he was definitely aggressive.
6: Right. There's there's missed tackles and there's missed tackles, and Peter certainly accumulates some, but when he's an edge player—and this is often true of anybody who gets a free run off the edge— or even when they bubble the play and a lineman sometimes gets a missed tackle, you'll see PFF noted and other other groups will have it like uh, PFR now has a, a, a missed tackle total online that you can look at. Um, but when they miss, they'll often twist the running back in the backfield 135 degrees. That is like 78% of a tackle right there. If you do that to a running back, he's he's not recovering to run for 25 yards. You know, How 90% did you come up that. with seventy
5: eight percent, can? That was such yeah. a... <laughs> yeah, because that's just the way
6: I am. I I toss a number out there. We have a, we have a thing in actuarial work. You say go for precision instead of accuracy because no <laughs> one's going to argue with precision. So but anyway, uh, but it but it is. It's a it's a you're you're doing most of what you need to to make the the tackling contribution by taking that ball carrier off his track and either turning his body forcing him to go to the tripod and maybe regain his balance, doing other things that a missed tackle can generate. And and very often a miss tackle leads immediately to a swarm over <laughs> that that can be uh, kind of fun to watch. But anyway, I I, I think I, I'm really down when when inside linebackers and safeties miss tackles, that's much more costly, particularly if they're behind the line or or past the line of scrimmage. When when the tackles are missing in the backfield, generally it's not the not the worst thing in the world.
5: Right. Well, and I just want to say also, it's so, it's so, Marcus Peters. When when before he got the interception, he got called for that pass interference, which uh, and then and he was so hot with the refs that Chuck Clark had to come in and kind of mm-hmm. like bring him back. But he feeds like you uh, to me. He feeds off of that anger that like bitterness that the world's against me which is why I think you hear him talking so much and so the very next play and it is I, I he just looks so he-, he looked so much more healthy because he was fighting that calf and again the turnover factor the turnover factor he brings it let me get some interceptions I need mm. that in the playoffs so it's so nice to see the way he played yesterday yeah
6: that that was really great it was a it was a that was a, a fairly ridiculous flotation device and the last time I can remember something being I mean Look, it happens all the time that you get interceptions that are thrown up on floaters. But one of the really big ones in Ravens history was the one against the Texans in 2010 where they won the Monday night game. I think it was Monday night game, not a Sunday night, but it was a prime time game anyway. I'm pretty sure it was Monday night where it was in overtime, 28-28. Shaw had led this amazing comeback and then he threw up a fl- flotation device and Wilson ran it into the end zone. The, Josh we had Wilson? Josh Wilson. We had him Never for a year and while. change. Yeah, <laughs> But anyway, he ran it in and, uh, and that ended the football game. All right, I think you've covered just about everybody I wanted to talk about. I'm trying to think. I'll I'll just
5: add one quick thing. Sure. I just, just seeing number 93 and number 98 lining up together warms my heart. (laughs) It just warms my heart. I just love those two together, Calais Campbell and Brennan Williams. Uh, Again, the pressure that, that they put on Allen to even have that flotation device. It just, like, to see a running back go into that middle of the of the line and like it's just a wall it's so good to have that back they both look if they're not a hundred percent they look close to it it's it's so nice to see them next to each other I love it
6: yeah it's it it is wonderful to have them both back and to me this is an entirely different game obviously the gamblers think so in terms of of what's going on here the Ravens are are three and a half point favorites I think coming into this game Josh did you look at that today Three and a half point favorites. You can take a look for us right now uh, if you want. I have I'll put it up, but I'll take a look. All when right, I finish up. And and uh, you know, it's a completely different game than it was last time. And and this is this is a game where the Ravens should have a significant advantage. I certainly feel like you know, with having a, a, a full defensive line component, they will negate a lot of what Henry brings to the table.
5: One hundred percent. One hundred percent.
6: All right. Uh always a pleasure to have you on, Sarah. Let me see if there's anything up. Mailbag. We gotta do the mailbag. No, we gotta do our yeah, MVPs. Let's... We need to do the MVPs. All right, do your okay. do your MVPs and then we All can right. get to the mailbag. I, I I you you see my my list of MVPs here, right? Yeah, do, I do. Do you have anybody different? If you do, I we'll go through.
5: I don't. I don't. I I flipped Peters and Bowser. That was it.
6: Okay. All right. Well that's very Quite reasonable. Just, yeah. So I have number four, Averett, number three. Peters number number two Bowser number one Clark obviously players we discussed already at length but a a great game from all of them I thought Clark in particular uh did a lot of things really well was all over the field but Bowser boy was he all over the field in terms of backfield edge setting coverage anything that was needed all right what do we got in the mailbag Josh I know we had a Uh. heavy mailbag right
4: uh, we do have a heavy mailbag, but about 20 of them is basically the same question because everyone's <laughs> looking forward to next week. Uh, so we'll get to that. We'll get to next week in a moment, but let's start with uh, Board and Harrison. It looks like Board has been taking a lot of Harrison snaps over the past few games. What do you think of this change, and does it say anything with Harrison's development?
5: I, I think that I think that we discussed Board quite a bit. I, I mean, I think that... Um Harrison is a rookie you already have a rookie in Patrick Queen you they're not clicking it in terms of like seeing what's happening on the offense as it's happening and so you can't risk that that liability and so I think that you're seeing board and LJ fort coming on more instead of Harrison and I don't think that that, should scare you about Harrison. I think he's a rookie and I think he will develop. I mean again, we just talked about Bowser in his fourth year just finally breaking out. And so I'm not too concerned about that, but right now we're not trying to develop. You know, we're not trying to develop these rookies like if you're not good to go, cool, we'll get you we'll get you over the summer. We'll get you in training camp and then we'll try you again next year. But right now it's time it's playoff time. It's do or die time. And so I think what you're seeing is LJ Fort and Board just being a step ahead of where where Harrison is, but that doesn't concern me for Harrison's development.
6: No, I I would agree with that. And they play kind of different roles. Board and Harrison. Board is a passing down linebacker, so they have him in there for those packages like these as a proxy dime back, as I've as I've called it. Uh, Queen is a Mike linebacker, even though that would be the place where he could get more snaps if the Ravens decided Queen is not the right size to play against Tennessee. Harrison could be a bigger guy that could take some additional early down Mike steps. But Harrison so far has playing been playing an early down will role that he really shares with Fort. The guy's losing out on snaps this year, in my mind, is Fort. You know, Harrison's played about 25% of snaps. Fort played very well last year. I think he could probably help the Ravens more in some ways right now. But uh, but Harrison is getting a good number of snaps. And you know, against a, a back like Henry, he makes a lot of sense because he's got the size to, to really be... Uh, effective, I think, in there on the second level.
5: Well, and L.J. Ford, even though they keep getting called back, he's been like a playmaker. I feel like he's had like two mm-hmm. touchdown returns called back or whatever. So he's making plays. I, I like him out there.
4: All right. Uh, you mentioned development. So that would bring us to the other question about Queen. And now that we're moving forward into the postseason, not focused on development, how should Queen be used this week?
5: I, I, I Queen... Makes me nervous this week, and it's because of play action. Um, in fact, the I, I just said in the previous question that it's you know, you don't necessarily want Queen and Harrison on the field at the same time. One of, th- one of the times they were against the Bengals, uh, they both bit just by a hair, they bit on a play action pass, and that ended up being the second longest play for the Bengals on the day. It went 21 yards to Clark. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is nobody in the league, at least the last time I checked, uh, nobody is a bet, has more yards or more yards per, per uh, pass from the play action than Tannehill. Mm-hmm. And so I am very nervous about them biting and selling out on, on Derrick Derek Henry. Now I'll leave it to you, Ken, to say how you think they should deal with it. I'm just letting you know, I'm nervous.
6: <laughs> right. He, I think he could get a reduced snap load this week. And and I, the way I like Queen is when he's a downhill player or a pursuit player. So if he's a downhill player, particularly covering a running back in front of him, who's a receiving threat, Giovanni Bernard, great, mm-hmm. great time to have Queen on the field and covering him, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it. it with Derrick Henry, because he's a rushing threat and Queen has a history of some, some missed tackles, it's a less of a good choice. And then when you get into any kind of zone coverage, Queen's been better. He's definitely been improved over the last few weeks. I still think it's probably taking a risk at a big time. And I th- I'm in agreement with you that play action is going to be the biggest weakness for a player like him.
4: All right, now let's uh, continue looking ahead. And I want to combine about 20 of these questions that all came in. A lot is focused on, there's two things that we're focusing on in these questions. It's basically the the key to beat the Titans is what people are asking about. And some people are focused on Derrick Henry, rightfully so, and stopping him. And other people are concerned about the deep ball that uh, screwed with us last time. So the question is, how do we balance that? What are the keys? How do we beat the Titans this week?
5: Uh, Go ahead, Ken.
4: No, you go ahead. I'll I'll
6: I'll wait. Uh, this is good order. I
5: I just I just think it connects to what we were just saying. Okay, so obviously priority number one, and it always is. It's always true in the NFL. You stop the run first. That is especially true with Derrick Henry. Having said that, I feel much more confident than I did this season when they played him. Obviously, because Calais Campbell and Brennan Williams wasn't there, and I feel more confident even than last year because I had to re- rebuild front seven. We have yet, I feel like, the Ravens haven't necessarily admitted to this, I feel like a lot of their off-season moves on defense was in reaction to getting beat down by Derrick Henry in that playoff game. Uh, Based off the way they held them for three and a half quarters and the freshness that they're going to have three and a half quarters last time and then only wore down. Um, And then you add Calais and Brennan. Those aren't just any two defensive linemen. They are two of the best. So I feel good generally, and Derrick Henry is gonna get his, but I feel good about that. What What makes me nervous is that sometimes people will look at Tennessee and say, oh, it's all Derrick Henry, and it's not. They have the, that's it, it's the play action. And so if you sell out, you obviously, that's your first priority is to stop Derrick Henry, but if you totally sell out, that play action is going to kill you. There's not much more than I can say to stop that, is you have to read it correctly. You can't sell out and bite and then leave a tight end open or, or A.J. Brown or whatever. Like Then that's why I've been talking so much about dime tonight. That's why I've been talking about getting those linebackers, those inside linebackers off is because this right here, those reads have to be made because Tannehill and the play action is extremely dangerous as people try to sell out to get Derrick Henry.
6: Yeah, completely agree. I mean, I, th- I think the only thing I'd add to that is I think the Ravens have, will do well to spread the line of scrimmage with three down linemen as often as they can. That does put extra onus on their cornerbacks to play well in this game. It also puts extra onus probably on the safeties because if they if they go with a, a nickel package and they expend extra assets to cover the tight end, if that means whether it means a big nickel with curse or, or a just a regular nickel if they want to attach it that way and have Jimmy Smith cover tight end or have Humphrey cover a tight end, um, it does mean that they would uh, potentially have to go with only one inside linebacker in a jumbo nickel look. If they do that, that really puts a lot of Impetus on whoever is at that spot, Fort, Queen, Harrison, whoever, to read their keys right. And it puts a lot of extra responsibility on the safeties as well to come up and run fit as needed. They're going to have to make good tackles. And Elliott and Clark are going to be be players the Ravens need to depend on to make their tackles in this game.
4: All right. Well, that's uh, what everyone's going to be looking forward to over on film study baltimore we've got the new situation room that came out today and those guys today they broke down the offense i believe and defense they've got coming and what they're really looking at this week is the difference between the ravens last time we played the titans and today and looking ahead to see how the team has changed over six weeks so i would advise people to go check that out and, Ken, you were right. It is a three-and-a-half-point spread right
6: now, which okay. is also the closest spread of the playoff games this weekend. Not terribly surprising. The Ravens then are probably the only road favorite. No, that's not true. Tampa Bay would be a road favorite at Washington, too. Yeah, well, if you count Washington as a playoff. Of, speaking, of
5: ro- <laughs> <laughs> speaking of road favorites, let's not remember. This will be the fifth time the Ravens and Titans meet in the um, yep. postseason. Twice the Ravens won on the road, and twice the Titans weren't on the road. So never has a home team won. So uh, maybe the the Las Vegas has, has seen that trend.
6: Well, the the 2000 and 2008 games uh, in Nashville, two of my very fondest football memories of all time. The the 2000 game is probably still well, it was number one until the Mile High Miracle came along. Let's put it that way. The 2008 game, remarkable game. If you have a chance to go back and take a look at that game, just wonderful set of set of circumstances. But anyway, everything was good about that. Uh, and you're right. This is hopefully this is road win number five uh, this time around. So you got a situation where they're doing two shows this week, Josh. Yeah, they're doing two shows this week. Very good. Yes. Okay. We got our, our regular lineup of stuff, uh, including a know your foe that will have a lot of that. So we're bringing Mike Herndon back on uh, who's, who's very good and really knows the Titans. Uh, Sarah, tell us about your current show you work with, you do with Q.
5: Yeah, so uh, we just put it on through Twitter, so you can go to SG Ellison. Or, by the way, Q, through administrative stuff, lost his Twitter account. Poor guy, had like 18,000 followers and has had to start from scratch. Oh, no. Um, all has to do with old emails and passwords and all that kind of stuff. It's just crazy that somebody can work that long to build up 18,000 followers and, like, lose it like that with no help from Twitter. So that's really frustrating. So uh, go back and, and follow him. He's now I am Kadri Ismail. so I just want to give a plug for him. But anyway, we do a post game uh, breakdown. Sarah and Q's Ravens Review, I guess, is now the official name, uh, which a fan suggested weeks ago. Uh, we've heard a lot of fans asking us to make it a podcast. Um, so we've got a decision to make. I know Q, I know Q wants to do that, so... Um, we'll, we'll see, but right now just, it's on at, at S. G. Ellison, and we do it pretty much after the pressers, maybe, maybe a little bit after that, after each game.
6: All right. Well, that sounds great, Sarah. And I encourage anybody to go look at that and give Q a follow. Boy, one more time at what?
5: At I am Kadri Ismail.
4: Okay. Yeah. He's got 228 followers right Isn't now. Oh my God. God. That just <laughs> That's like extremely low. Yeah. yeah
6: just, you, we, you need to have some sort of way to protect your account. Seriously. Boy. All right, Sarah. Thanks again for coming on. Always one of our favorite guests. We'd love to have you back on. Hopefully, at some point during the playoffs.
5: Hey, man! If they keep going, I'm here for that.
6: All right. We'll talk to you next time on film study.
5: Good.
0: Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. And they're satisfying to scratch, no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1
3: in 3.21. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first 2-in-1 removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's. Home to any budget. Home to any possibility. U.S. only.
4: This is the story of the one.